0: This is Leisha Holmes of Key Recruitment and I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome to our podcast and YouTube watchers and viewers a uh, very famous name to those who are avid bookworms. We have Steve Guest who is the director of S Guest Consultancy Services and Amazon's best-selling author of The Top Billet, The Life of a Recruiter. Please welcome Steve. How are you today?
1: I'm very well, thank you. Looking forward to, to chatting with you.
0: Yeah it's been really lovely getting to know you off camera and obviously for those who aren't yet following me you must click through and uh, have a look at Steve's profile because you've got a really interesting background and obviously I've invited you on here today to talk about your career, sort of any lessons learned for those who you know you want to uh, engage with but also to talk about how you became an author. So tell yeah. us how your early career started because you, you did move from recruitment into purchasing, you've got quite an interesting background so tell us that story.
1: Yeah so uh, if, if I even go back further I am At school, I was kind of your your typical swotty, hardworking, diligent academic, and I was very, very quiet. The kind of, I suppose, considered person that sat at the back of the room, Uh, ran home to do my homework as fast as I can. That sort of student. Went to uni uh, to try and get out of that shell and be a bit more confident. Then I went off to be a holiday rep because I still wasn't that loud confident kind of brash person. And I knew I needed to find that edge. Um, so I did that for a couple of years and then came back. And, and one of the first roles was to go into recruitment um, because you could see the, the potential for earning potential and, and obviously going out and doing the sales side of things. But I really struggled, if I'm honest. Um, the company that I joined was a very good, reputable business. Um, and they were very specific and regimented in how they wanted you to work. And I think coming from perhaps a very relaxed holiday rep background, I struggled to implement what they wanted. And I only lasted about eight or nine months. Um, But in in many respects, it probably taught me really good ways to work. I just didn't realise it at the time. It probably came at the wrong time. Went off to do purchasing, uh, got qualified as a strategic commodity buyer at 7Trent dealing with multi-million pound frameworks. I was negotiating... Long-term frameworks, six seven million pound contracts, Um, and it taught me the art of negotiation, which was great. Um, But there was still something missing, and I think you could negotiate a huge contract and you'd get a pat on the back Mm. and given your next contract, but the earning potential didn't change.
0: Right.
1: And and I would sit there. At the time, my wife was uh, working at Hayes. She was their top billing temp consultant, dealing with maintenance trades and. And I was seeing the sorts of income and uh, revenue she was creating, and I think being the typical man, you were kind of looking at that, thinking, "I can't, I yeah. can't have her earning more than me." So, my thought process was to go and get a, a, a job in recruitment, recruiting for procurement staff. Yeah. Um, and if I'm if I'm honest, that's where the whole process started within recruitment. Mm. Um, I went to um, Hayes Purchasing Supply. First interview went really well and, and I came out skipping, thinking, yep, yeah, I've nailed that, I've got the, got the job. They invited me back for a second interview, even invited me to play in the five-a-side football, uh, charity football games afterwards. Went for the second interview and the feedback was uh, I wasn't what they were looking for, didn't fit the profile. I was too calm, too considered. I wasn't confident or loud enough. It wow. wasn't really what they were looking for. Um, I was devastated, to be honest, because I wasn't used to not getting a job from an interview. I've right. tended to always got offered. Mm. Um, and I walked out of the building just thinking that wasn't meant to happen. No,
0: that wasn't the outcome but, I was expecting.
1: <laughs> not at all. I'd, I'd, I'd make, I thought the decision was made, if I'm honest, because I was still due to be playing in their charity, Hayes football team. Mm-hmm. So across in, in Birmingham, the setup was you had Hayes Perks and Supply and across the road, you had Hayes Construction and Property, which was the same division that my wife worked for. Mm -hmm. So crossed the road, went into Hayes Construction and Property and said, look, take me on, and I'll prove every single working hour of the day that they were wrong to not take me on, and they were wrong to to judge my character on the ability to actually deliver on service. Um, And that was my motivation. That was my fuel to my fire, really, because I could use that level of rejection to actually say no you've missed out here and I was I was the quickest trainee to get promoted the quickest consultant to get promoted I still hold the regional records as far as I'm aware that I set back in 2007. Wow
0: that's amazing.
1: Um, 17 perm placements in a month.
0: Wow what was the revenue on that?
1: The, the end fees was about 58k nice. I think just short 58k you and um, I used to drop an email to the, the MD of Purchasing Supply every so often and just say, look what you could have had. Yeah. Look at, look that, at the results.
0: That's a pretty woman, isn't it, when she walks back in the store and she yeah. says, a big mistake. You,
1: exactly. Good for and, you. And I say, in, because I owe a lot to that interview in many ways, yeah. because I think if they'd have taken me on, I probably wouldn't have been the consultant I was.
0: Interesting, isn't it? It's like counterintuitive yeah. what they did. But it, yeah. I mean, it must have always been in, in you to achieve what you did.
1: But it's I think I like to prove doubters wrong. Yeah. I think that's what it is, and I don't like people to say no. If they say no, I'd like to think of a way of making sure it becomes a yes.
0: Okay, that's why you're a good recruit, then. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I think, but I think at the time I didn't know that. I mm. was just I was frustrated they'd said no on the basis that I'm not salesy and yeah. I wasn't necessarily outgoing and I wasn't loud.
0: It's interesting, isn't it? Because there is this kind of stereotypical. I don't want to say Wolf of Wall Street because I think we've moved way away from that, but this extrovert, which I am definitely that, you know, I'm this typical outgoing salesperson, but actually there are many different ways to engage with customers and in some sectors and in some environments, actually, it's better to be quieter and to be a bit more considered because if those are the sorts of people you're selling to, they don't want someone brash. They don't want someone that's really salesy. They want someone that's authentic and genuine and, and listens to what they want.
1: Completely, and I think that's that's recruitment in a nutshell, it's a service. So, I think what allowed me to perhaps perform at a higher level, certainly when I first started, was the fact that I just did what I said I was going to do. So, if I'm going to call you at Thursday at four o'clock, I would call you Thursday at four o'clock. If I'm going to go and find you five CVs, that's what I would do. The biggest pain points in recruitment when I first started are still the same today Mm -hmm. it's poor delivery on service. It's lack of feedback, it's lack of continuity, lack of just service deliverables of going out there and doing what you say you're going to do. Even if you can't achieve them, it's about communicating them back to the client or candidate to say, the market's not offering the person you're looking for, or actually I've spoken to 50 clients and at this point none of them are interested in terms of your skill set. What can we do to change that or can we target you in a different way?
0: Being consultative, and it is it, you, you, like you're saying, it was a different world then, but actually, the problems that as a recruiter you try and solve consult- still
1: the same is exactly
0: yeah. the same. So, how did your yeah. own business come about then? Because you set up your own business at the just as the credit front, yes.
1: So, well, fast, fast track was a business that was already running, it was, it was um, a 30 35 million turnover business, um, and I went across to open their Birmingham office in 2008. So there's myself and a trades and labour consultant, Um, obviously UK recession, construction hardest hit market that was out there. We had six months restrictive covenants um, and we had to open a new office. We had the office in the middle of Birmingham in a Regis managed service building. So it was, it wasn't cheap. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't she And you could probably could have fitted about 20, 30 consultants in there. It so was
0: big space per head. Goodness. Yeah.
1: I mean the the ambition was huge from the start, but actually two or three months in the realism kind of hits mm. and you sit there thinking the per market pretty much died in construction. I couldn't talk to my existing clients either. No. Um, so it was very much about again having that consultative approach to your clients and candidates to say, look we've all got to try and get through these tough times. How do we go about that? Yeah, what can we do to deliver on service to ensure you make it through and we make it through? Mm-hmm. Um, and what happened? We, we, I suppose, diversified in terms of our sales pitch. Right. So it wasn't just perm recruitment. I was looking at freelance as well
0: yep.
1: um, because certainly in construction, they were recruiting people for project specific vacancies and yep. not looking to increase exactly. overhead. Um, We looked at different ways in terms of potentially managing their cash flow. So we could set up agreements for fees that worked with them as well as us, which allowed them potentially to take more people on. Um, And we also became the one point of contact. So for construction contractors, I've always worked on the commercial side. So estimators, buyers, planners, surveyors, from graduate through to director. Um, And we just went to them and said, look, we will find anybody you need from administrators, receptionists, right the way through to HR managers, account staff, whatever it might be. We want to take away the headache of trying to find different recruiters in different markets and just come to us. Okay. And what it meant was you built a stronger relationship with each of your clients because you just be- you became that call. Cool. Yeah,
0: your client services, you are their outsource, their, their partner, a exactly. part yeah. of their- Yes, it's it's um, it's almost it's not the reverse of a niche model but it's actually more of a, a sort of like you say a, a key account focus
1: very much and so i think
0: for you as a business so would, would you then have one person servicing all those different roles or would it be there were a yeah. client and then they would have different people in the business yeah
1: so certainly in the first probably 12 to 24 months mm-hmm. it was me so right. i was the perm consultant well so it, it was about growing a client, a client relationship and almost being an extension of their brand.
0: Yeah.
1: And if you could become the one that becomes that one point of call, yeah. one point of contact, then it mm-hmm. just allows you to focus and still build the relationships with your existing client base.
0: Yeah. As I grew
1: the office, I could then bring in consultants that looked after specific areas. Mm-hmm. That, uh, exactly. So you could bring in an operations consultant. You could bring in an M&E consultant. Yeah. And, and it organically grew because you had a strong foundation for your client base
0: it's interesting isn't it because as, as obviously i supply to the recruitment sector my my, my whole industry is, is recruiters and typically what happens is you will have a finance recruiter that will start realizing that do you know what we've got a load of clients here that need it or they need hr whereas you saw it as a we've got a client let's ring fence the client relationship and then see what they need yeah whether or not that's an approach that now as we sort of head into a COVID world, yeah. that's actually a better way to manage your cash flow, knowing that you've got a client relationship and you will go and yeah. deliver whatever that client
1: needs. I think so. I think that the benefit I had was it yeah. was just two of us in an office. Yeah. And, and ultimately if we didn't make placements, the office would close and we would <laughs> fail in our opening of the, of the region. Mm. Um, the struggle other recruiters may have is they may just have a niche. And not have the ability to look outside of that. Mm. Um, I say I think back to some of my struggles at Hayes, where it was so specific. My market within Hayes was commercial construction roles within Birmingham postcodes letters A to M. If I got a if I got a purchasing role, it went to Hayes Purchasing Supply. And what if I
0: got an N or an S? It went to, to
1: another consultant.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And if, you, if I got a QS role in Leicester, it would go to the Leicester office. Right,
0: yeah. Which, so, which is the way that it happens in a Yeah,
1: and, and, and it works. It's the Hayes model, and it worked very well for me for the, the few years that I was there. Um, but I think the benefit of where I was, it allowed me to be creative in my thinking, but also have the autonomy to just decide, I'm just going to service this client and this client and this client, and I'm going to maximize my potential.
0: You could be nimble. nimble. So so where in this did you decide to become, or to write down, how did the book come about?
1: Um, I think since 2016, I've been getting more involved with property investments. So I've I've created a property business um, that I'm looking to grow that creates the legacy for my kids and and that kind of retirement plan. Mm -hmm. But the social circles that I was mixing with from the property side, it was all about telling people what you do, letting people know that you're within the property and this is what you're investing in. But the majority of people in the property side have all wrote books as well. Certainly the influencer type people and the the mentors. So I was sat there thinking, um, I knew I was going to be leaving, working with Fast Track a year. It's actually a year ago, end of September. Um, And what I wanted to do was write a book that I suppose championed the underdog Mm. told recruiters out there that actually you don't need to be the biggest and loudest in the office. You just need to deliver on what you say you will.
0: Yeah.
1: It was okay to be different. It's okay to be calm and considered and actually just talk when you feel you've got an opinion or or you've got something that will add value. Um, And I, I actually wrote the book initially to be almost a business card. And the idea behind it was, I knew I was going to do and go off in a different um, direction. And I wanted my clients and candidates almost to see me as the recruiter that's wrote a book. Because there's probably only five or six books out there. There's not many. No? In recruitment. The ones that are out there are very much like textbooks. Yeah. And they're quite difficult to read through. I bought a few before I started writing and they were just, I stopped probably even the third quarter of the way through. So I wanted to write something that resonated with your everyday consultant, uh, inspired and motivated, and also spoke to the person that sat there thinking, I'm a little bit different in this office. I'm not sure I fit. Mm. Because I've employed people like that and I've worked with people like that. And more often they'll end up leaving the industry because they feel like they need to be louder and it's not their character but actually they could be very successful if they just stick to it
0: and it's in it you know it's very insightful isn't it because ultimately we're a diverse human species and it takes all sorts and it you know you can use psychology you can use there's so many different techniques and mechanisms and tests that you can use and incorporate that if you employ just one type of person and one style It's not going to suit absolutely everybody. So it's an absolutely ridiculous notion that just because somebody's quieter doesn't mean that they're going to be any less efficient or productive or successful. And, you know, there is that old saying, isn't there, that empty vessels make most noise. And I think very often, especially with LinkedIn now being this immense platform where, you know, I'm very conscious of that myself, but, you know, you can get so distracted by the noise that that is out there. But actually it's it's the content and, and, and as a recruiter, it's what you actually say, not how much you say. That exactly clients, that and the actions, it's actions, isn't it? Your client will remember you if you spoke to them and they gave you a brief and you come back and deliver on that, as yeah. opposed to I don't know, how loud you were in the meeting. It's
1: it's a it? and I think I think with recruitment, the best recruiters are the most consistent. Yeah. Clients and candidates want a consistent service and they yep. want to know where they stand at any point during that process.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think if you manage it correctly and you've got a step by step structural approach, which is how I've worked for 14 years.
0: Yep.
1: It's what makes the difference Hopefully, in my experience of working with mentoring and training. Cons- Consultants. The majority of consultants are very likable people. They're very good at what they do. Mm-hmm. They're good at building relationships. They are outwardly going, outwardly spoken individuals, mm-hmm. and they can quite comfortably sit in a room of people. But most often, they lack the structure behind what sits behind mm-hmm. that um, service. And and I think very much that's what made me different back in the day. But equally, also allows me to coach and mentor consultants. To adding that to what they do and they will naturally improve
0: so when so when you've hired somebody what what Mm -hmm. makes them stand out to you i.e what are
1: the traits that you would look for okay so I, i had some great staff i actually really missed them at fast track i had 19 staff at its peak we had an office in manchester and an office in birmingham um and when i interviewed consultants obviously you you ask for the normal sorts of things so the billings the the activities, how they approach their day-to-day work. I wanted to see what motivated them, what got them up every day to skip into work, what would get them to jump over the hurdles that we naturally deal with every single day. Mm-hmm. And if I could see in the whites of their eyes that they had something specific that they were looking to do, so it might be they get married, buying the first house, mm-hmm. uh, nice holidays, flash clothes, whatever it might be, I wanted something that you could naturally see them passionate about looking to achieve.
0: Yeah.
1: Because if I could find that it doesn't matter whether they've got no experience, a little bit of experience or massively experienced, there's something that I can work with to get them to the next level. It's tangible, a tangible goal. is Exactly. If it's all bravado and it's sales talk, which all of us recruiters can turn on and off as and when we want sometimes, I didn't want that. I didn't want the mavericks. I didn't want the people that will come in and bill excessive amount and then be gone in 12 months. I wanted the people that cared about the service, genuinely wanted to do well. Okay. And were looking for ways to step up to that next level.
0: Mm, yeah, no, definitely. And I think there's a lot to be said for that consistency because it implies that there's discipline. Um, but also you've, you've sort of touched on a subject that seems to be, it resonates across every single interview that I've done for these channels, which is communication. Yeah. You know, someone that communicates with you, with themselves, with their customers, Completely. that's a candidate or client.
1: Completely, and I think my, my view of anybody that I ever managed or was responsible for was, if I can get that person to achieve whatever it is they need to achieve, not only do they look good, I can sit in directors' meetings and praise all of the staff because they've achieved this, 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 and this. The mm. consequence of helping them get to where they need to get to Will no doubt get me to where I want to get to because everybody's achieving. Yeah, and it goal. was always about them.
0: Goal, aren't you? So, yeah. So people don't need to necessarily build biz- recruitment businesses with these beasts. And I think we're, the COVID world that we're in. I think when you started out in recruitment, and you know, you look at how the credit crunch worked. It, this has been, you know, it was a sharp like end in March you know we went into lockdown that was it mm. this isn't ending anytime soon whereas I think no. th- there are so many differences there are so many comparables but with the the world that we're in now where it's about being very adaptable communicating having a good online brand if you were hiring now and I know that you, you, you're mentoring what mm. qualities do you think will elevate people to become top builders or be or maintain yeah. places what what are the differences in qualities now you
1: think I think I think there's 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 lots of caveats to where we are at the moment it's about having that um, empathy with your clients having patience on the basis that they're not moving as quickly as they normally do certainly recruitment because it's fallen down the list in terms of priorities you've got businesses that are trying to cover for people that aren't in the business they're probably working twice as hard to achieve less if not the same Um, and recruitment is difficult Mm. and I think (laughs) From a recruitment perspective, you need to still have that ambition, that motivation, that unwavering belief that you're going to be good at at recruitment and you champion the service delivery. If you can get that across to your clients and work with them to get to the other side, um, it will do you well. Of course it will. The difference with perhaps the market now to when I first started, when I first started, it was all about activity. It was all about call levels it was about interviews, CVs out, which hasn't changed. I still work very much like that. But a huge proportion of the sales um, pattern now is personal branding, and it's huge. Mm -hmm. And if consultants aren't putting posts out, videos out, and almost documenting their journey, good and bad, they will miss out on a good proportion of their market. Because I know at the moment, if I put posts out on LinkedIn, I get really good engagement, and I am having clients and candidates watch what I'm doing, whether they interact or not, yeah. because they're, they're not likely to because they don't want to tell the world they're looking for a role or potentially <laughs> there looking to is recruit. Definitely. A, lot of, a lot of what happens with recruitment marketing is it goes behind the scenes and you don't necessarily know your outward posts and social media presence is having such an impact. Mm. And I think a lot of consultants shy away from it because they don't see the immediate return. It's
0: the immediate impact. But the reality is there is an ROI because otherwise it's huge. You're, going, you're going to be totally unknown, aren't you?
1: It's huge. If I give you an example. So about two years ago, it was the end of 2018. I did my first social media video and I'd thought about doing it for probably about, I don't know, eight or nine months. And I would found excuses not to do it. Um, and I was driving down to Watford. I was listening to Gary V. crush it on Audible. Stopped at the head office, got out, and I did the first video, which was something like, there's no value, there's no content in this video, it's just me getting over a personal hurdle. Here I am, comment away. It was something along them lines. Yeah. And then I had some, someone comment saying, great video, but now you've got to do 10 videos in 10 days. There's your challenge. So I did this, and I've, I've talked about this with there a number good. of recruiters. The 10 in 10 means you're or focused you've got a specific action plan and yeah. you've got to think of content it gets you over the nervousness and the worry and the hurdles my 10 videos were all about me so it was my motivation how to deal with rejection um, whether I, I think mentors is a good thing there was multiple things mm. one was, was how to deal with a hater because i started to get people saying you shouldn't be doing uh, videos you haven't mentioned what you're recruiting for what you're doing I'm like, well, it's nothing about that. It's a personal journey. Point. But actually, behind the scenes, whilst it was really good for me to get used to it, mm. I was having clients contact me. I was having candidates message me saying, I've just seen you pop up on LinkedIn. Um, I've been meaning to get hold of you for a while. I'm looking for a new position. I had consultants going to their client meetings and their clients talking about my videos.
0: That was amazing, memorable. And,
1: but, but also, they weren't commenting or engaging. No. so you wouldn't know it was happening no. but the impact it had was huge it's i had people contacting me saying can i give you some suggestions for some videos brilliant and it's just a different way of engaging with your market of course that doesn't mean you're picking up a phone to do a pitch
0: No, I think those days, although I think there's still a huge value if you've got a a candidate and you think that I should ring that client and introduce yourself and use the candidate either as a vehicle or or as a general introduction. But nowadays, there are so many different ways to engage, and you have to incorporate all of it very cohesively. And and I'm a huge believer in that. And I guess you, you know, the USP of of yourself is is the fact that you are a proven author and, you know, there's a
1: book that's definitely helped. I I think. It was never. It was never the thought process when I wrote the book. No. Yes, I was using it as a business card, and I was using it to elevate my brand. But I think because the book, the book's now sold in forty countries. That's amazing. We went past what two thousand copies a couple of weeks ago, and I never thought it would get to that level. And I am really humbled by the whole journey and all the but support.
0: Amazing. But what,
1: what it's done is it's created a foundation for me to speak on a. Far wider audience and more global scale.
0: Definitely. So it
1: has put me in a different position. Um, and it, it still works for my market. So I still get clients and candidates contact me, which was the whole point behind it in the first place. Um, but people also get to know you through reading the book, through your social media content. It's
0: another... you, go
1: to you go to networking meetings and people will come up to you and talk to you as if they know you. And you're stood there thinking, I have no idea who this person is. Yeah, that, but
0: that's, a, that's the social media world that we live in, right? Because I'll be like that. I'll walk down the street and someone will go my name and I'll go, oh, I don't know, I don't actually know. Yeah. Hi, how are you? I don't want that's to that's good, but, though,
1: because that breaks down that, put, that barrier of the cold call. Yeah, of course. And whilst do. it could be a cold call and it might be a business development call, actually, your market will already know who you are anyway. Yeah. That could be good or bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have, you, have you got any more books in you do you think are you gonna write
1: right again I've, to be honest I'm part way through writing the next two Very good. so I've got a I'm writing almost a journal for this year okay um which has obviously changed dramatically it mm. started off I was setting myself a, a billing target um, and I was going to document how I did it from January to December obviously with the time we got to March it had taking a different direction
0: that that, that chapter went to
1: oh well that's it and i thought at the time do i stop writing do i think well let's leave it till next year and and do the same sort of idea but actually i think the book will be far more interesting well um
0: journey.
1: well that's it it's documented the highs and lows it's documented what's gone right and wrong i've Mm -hmm. talked through i've um created the 12-week recruitment mastery online training program Um, which is now coaching and mentoring consultants globally. And it's talked through the implementation of that and what got me to that point. Um, I did a a post probably second week of April, I think it was on LinkedIn. And I just said, if there's any recruiters out there struggling, if there's anyone that needs to have a conversation um, or just wants to have a rant or a cuddle, whatever it might be, I'm clearing out my diary next week. You can book it for a 30 minute zoom call and we'll just have a chat. And I thought it would be probably 10, 12 people that knew me, were local to here. Um, And it ended up being 62 people. And it was was global, it was Switzerland, US, South Africa, Canada, New Zealand, Japan, Singapore, UK. It was crazy. And by the end of the week, I was absolutely exhausted. But what it told me was, all the pain points all the problems all the yeah. hurdles that recruiters face is not just specific to the UK it's global yeah it's global yeah. And, 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 and i, I think
0: the market fundamentally the challenges are all the same they're,
1: they're exactly sure the same cold. and um, because i'd stopped coaching and mentoring the consultants because i'd left working with fast track yeah. there was a bit of a void anyway in terms of where i was because i was just recruiting for me yeah. mm the online training programs allowed me to get that mentoring and coaching back.
0: The book
1: elevated me to a point that gives me the foundation and um, I suppose that level of trust for people to know what they're going to get from the course.
0: Mm, Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's
1: good. And it's it's great for me because I'm getting to speak and, uh, talk to individuals on a weekly basis it's oh,
0: great um, it's great when you can do something that you love and you can give all this value back so one indeed. final question you mentioned earlier about there not being many recruitment books that had inspired you but are, are there yeah. any particular books in particular that you would recommend to our viewers and listeners yeah
1: that so I've got you? a few great. I read quite a lot I probably read a couple of books a month
0: okay great. Um, and if well, I'm
1: honest I only started reading 2012 after I'd read Looks, Dad, Ah, Poor Dad. Yeah. That's a good start. So most entrepreneurial type thinking people have read that.
0: (laughs) We should have agreed that at the start. We should have done a snap.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The next one, if you haven't read it, is that one, The Key Person of Influence by Daniel Priestley. So that's all about making sure you are the one that stands out in your market and you get recognised. He talks about writing a book to elevate who you are.
0: Excellent. It's brilliant. brilliant. Great book as well. The compound-, compound
1: effects by Darren Hardy. So, compound effect is about making small incremental changes to improve where you are. So you have people like Dave Brailsford who took over the British cycling team, and he made small one percent changes in everything that they did. Oh. Um, and over the span of a lifetime or twelve months, the difference is huge. And the last one, start with why. Oh, so, Simon so that's the motivational one that's the one where if you're struggling and you sat there thinking why am I doing this what am I getting up to go and do if you read that that will allow you to have those thought processes about what it is that's going to get you to run through that burning building
0: and for those who aren't particularly bookworms he's amazing on TED talks and he's amazing on social media those are wonderful recommendations well thank you so much and I believe I that pleasure. you are For any of our wonderful connections and listeners and viewers, you are going to give us an exclusive discount code for anyone that wants to purchase your brilliant book. So get in touch with me, send me a private message and we'll send that across to you. And thank you so much for joining us today. You've been a really wonderful guest and it's been great listening to your experiences and all the way to you. Nice to meet you.
1: Thank you. Lovely to meet you too. Bye.